morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You good? I didn't hear from a couple of you. I'll trust you're doing well. But it's, uh, it's great to have you here this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Dean. I'm one of the pastors here at True North. And, uh, and we're in this series right now. It's just a really exciting time for this church, Launchpad. Uh, you, might have been, you might be here this morning because you've seen rockets launching and space shuttles, and you're excited about that, you know. But uh, the reason we're, we're uh, is quite, you know, looking forward to this whole time of Launchpad and launching things is because as a church, uh, we're preparing to kind of launch into a whole new uh, chapter as a church. We're about to launch a, a new campus and community hub up in Marawa. We're revisioning and rethinking through what we're doing right here in Mullaloo. And, uh, and we're getting ready. We're kind of stepping up to the launch pad at this point and, uh, and really thinking about and reflecting on what is it going to mean to be a part of an incredibly explosive moment with what God is doing. And whenever you launch a rocket, launch a space shuttle, it takes all kinds of fuel, it takes all kinds of fire, it takes an explosion to kind of lift something off the ground to break the gravitational pull. And so we're getting ready for that kind of a moment. And we've been talking about I guess some of these big ideas of who God is, you know, and remembering this is what it's all about at the end of the day. We start, as we should with everything, with the question of simply, who is God? And, and we serve this, the great God of the whole universe who made it all, who loves everyone, and who wants people to know him, to, to know that he is the Lord. And, uh, and we talked last week, if you were here, about who we are and, uh, and how we are called to be his people in this world. That he's building us into a house together for his spirit and where his uh, name goes out into this world where people can meet him and encounter him. And this week we're going to talk a little bit, I guess, of how these things come together. Uh, who God is, who we are, and then our place, I guess, in some ways, as we kind of join the mission that he is on in this world. Before we get to this week, I want to just give you a little uh, heads up and snapshot for next week. Next week is going to be the last week of our launch pad series. Uh, after that point, we will be strapping ourselves in, climbing in the rocket, and uh, departing. And uh, so please come dressed appropriately. Um, but uh, in fact, I saw a thing just last night on the news of this guy who's designing suits. I don't, know, I don't know what I was watching even, but so if you saw it, but he's designing suits based on the material that astronauts wear, so like a business suit, you know, and then they went and they ran a half marathon in this suit. Anyway, um, if you decide you want to get one for the future of our church, it could be a good thing, it could be a good thing. But next week, we're going to be kind of wrapping this up, and, and, uh, and what we're going to have an opportunity, especially next week, to do, so please be here, is really talk uh, about a lot of the practicalities of what uh, the next three months holds, uh, and then the next six months after that, really kind of from October till June of next year, uh, we're kind of thinking about it as like this almost kind of nine-month launch phase. Uh, you know, it takes nine months to, to give birth, and uh, we're, you know, it's going to take us probably three, six, nine months to uh, kind of send this thing into orbit and to get off into, uh, into where God's taken us. So next week we'll be talking about some of the practicalities up in Marowa. We're also going to have a chance uh, to start looking at, if you've been around, you know we've been beginning to rethink and revision what we're doing right here in Mullaloo and starting to even think through some of a master plan of how we can uh, move forward and best steward what God's given to us right here in this incredible uh, location and space in our community. And we're going to have a chance uh, next week as well to start looking at how some of those things are shaping up and, uh, and looking ahead at Marrow. So next week's going to be an exciting week. I want to encourage
encourage you uh, to be here. And uh, I'm glad Phil's coming, aren't you? Come on. Come on. Who's excited like Phil's excited? Anybody else? I hope so. I hope so. It's, this is exciting and fun stuff. It's fun stuff. And, and I'm excited to talk to you today about uh, something that I think is quite a, a fun idea as well. And as we're going to talk this morning about what it means, we've been talking about this throughout the series, what it means uh, to bring our best. And so we started talking about how, you know, when God wants to make an explosion and, and if he's going to send fire, you know, to get an explosion, you need fuel and you need fire. God is in the fire business. He's the one who ignites things, who brings them to life. He's the one who really does things. But he always invites us to play a role by bringing the fuel and by creating the space where he can work, where he can send his fire, and, and that's where you get liftoff, that's where you get ignition, that's where you get explosions. And so we're going to talk this morning about the whole idea of what it looks like to be bringing our best, which I think is quite a fun idea. We're going to start by uh, this morning, we're going to be reading in uh, the book of Malachi, fun uh, book here, it, 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 quite, a, quite a challenging book of the Bible. It's a, it's a prophetic word that came through. It's kind of the last prophetic word, the last book of the Old Testament. You can find it on the, uh, your True North app in the Bible there if you want. And uh, so feel free to, to follow along there. And uh, the book of, of Malachi takes place at a time when God's people, the first week of this series, in the time of Elijah, the real challenge for the people of God in that moment was they had kind of turned from the one true living God, and they were beginning to worship other gods. They were putting other things as higher priorities in God. What happens in the time of Malachi is that the people of God, they've been following him, walking with him for a long time. They've been through exile and captivity. They've been back for probably a hundred odd years and back in their land and at the new temple. But what's happened is the people have grown somewhat indifferent. And they're beginning to just kind of go through the motions of what it means to be the people of God. And there's this incredibly uh, kind of profound word that comes through the prophet Malachi. We're going to look in chapter 1, and we're going to start off in verse 11. This is God's word to the people of uh, Israel in this moment. He says, My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. We're going to pause there for a moment. You can take that away. I want to pause for a moment. Uh, one of the things you're going to see right away in the book of Malachi is that what God's going to speak to the people about is the, is the absolute kind of primacy and superiority and just the, the prominence that will be given to his name. God is passionate for his name. Now we think sometimes, perhaps in our day and in our culture, what was the big deal about his name? Can I tell you something? The name, when God says my name, he's saying that my name represents me. My name speaks of who I am. And God is going to say to the people, here's Here's what life is about. Here's where the world's about. Here's where human history is going. My name, God says, will be great among the nations. He wants people everywhere to come to have an understanding of who he is, and that is represented. It's, it's all captured. It's all brought together in his name. You know, there was a study 
uh, that was done, uh, it was probably five, six, it might be 10 years ago now, I can't recall exactly, but there was a, a study done on some different brands, and it was a marketing study. And what they found, this guy liked to research brands and marketing, he, he wanted to look at how people react when they see some of the, the names of the brands that they follow. And so he would find people who were kind of, you know, following loyal to different brand names, and he would show them the, the kind of the name or the logos or the icons of these, uh, these brands, and they did brain scans, MRI scans, to see what was happening in people's brains when they would see, you know, the names of the brands they loved. One of the brands they studied, and that was a big prominent one out of it, was, was Apple. And uh, this last week, I'm not sure what a lot of people were thinking when they saw Apple, there's a lot of controversy around their wireless headphones and, you know, these earphones. And, but uh, when they put up, and I think we've got the, the logo, when, when people would see just this picture, what they found was that the same part of their brains, for those who were, you know, kind of Apple people, the same part of the brain that would activate in religious experience for a person of faith, that part of the brain would like switch on. Most brands, that doesn't happen, but for people who are like loyal to that name, it just brought so much power and emotion, and people think of all the things they associate with it, you know, the, the, this idea of creativity and, and being able to, to do things, and, and, and then the, one of the other ones, there's, and what they found, there was about six brands in the world that they found that actually were so powerful that they activated the religious kind of part of people's brains, and one of the other ones was, uh, we'll see what this one does for some people here. Who's, uh, whose brains, like, sensors are starting to fire up? Anybody's uh, brains kind of, you know, Harley Davidson was another one. They found, for people who love Harleys, and because they see, you know, it's just words on a screen, but that name for people encapsulated so much. It encapsulated the whole idea of freedom and the open road. It encapsulated kind of an incredible piece of machinery. It encapsulated, you know, kind of the best motorcycle that there is. It encapsulated being a part of this kind of fraternity amongst, you know, Harley riders. There's, you know, it, for people just to see it. You know, this is, and this is the power of a name. The name holds, we think a name, does the name matter? The name, it holds so much. God, when God says my name, God is who he is. And nothing we say or do in this world can take away from God or add to God. But God will speak to his people about their role in extending his name among the nations. What do people think when they see or hear this name? Let's go to this next one. When you... For us in this room, it holds so much power, so much meaning for so many of us. It's the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the, it is the name above every name. It's the name by which we come to know the living God. It's how he's revealed himself. It's the name that saves us, that has rescued us. And that, this is Jesus. It's his name. Now, can I tell you something? Here is, here is the profound implication of what God is going to begin to speak to the people about and why he's frustrated, what he's saying. That my name's going to be great in this world. And what God is going to say to his people is, you are to be a part of revealing my name, representing my name, to this world. And the ways that we live out being his people will end up, for whatever reason God has so allowed this that will end up coloring for the world around us 
what they think of, what they feel, what they experience when they see this name. God's trying to get that through to the people of Israel then, and he goes on. We're going to pick it back up, verse 12. God has told them in 11, you know, my name's going to be great. It's going to be great among the nations. He says, but here's this frustration with the people. Here's the challenge that's being brought to the people. He says, but you profane it. And how do they do that? You profane it. You're, you're dishonoring it. You profane it by saying, the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. Verse 13. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Now we're going to pause here for a moment so we make sure we know what's going on here. What God is going to speak to them about, he's talking about his name and his name being great among the nations. And, and this word, he's going to begin to speak to them about the kinds of offerings and sacrifices and what they are bringing to worship at the temple. And he says, I'm frustrated with you because, you know, you're bringing these things. He says, you just think it's a burden and you sniff at this whole idea having to bring things contemptuously. Familiarity, sometimes we say, breeds contempt. And what had happened, the people become so familiar with God. They no longer kind of desired to bring their best. In fact, God says, so God says, when you bring injured, lame, diseased animals and you offer them a sacrifice, should I accept them? Is this, says the Lord. And, and he goes on in 14 and he says, Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, says, I'll bring my best, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. Why? For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty. That's his name. And my name is to be feared among the nations. See, this whole idea of bringing our best, uh, what was happening you know, in their day, was uh, they were called to offer, to bring certain offerings, certain gifts, certain sacrifices that, that represented their worship and devotion to God. And we can read this, and, and in their day, they were called to bring the best. If they had uh, a, a, a herd of, of cattle or, 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 you know, goats, when they, they were to bring the first and the best of what they had, of what God had put in their hands, but what's happened is rather than bringing their best, they're beginning to bring their leftovers. This is actually a time, what was going on, if you read through the book of Malachi, is that there was a bit of drought. Times were tough. Food was thin. You know, crops weren't growing. And you kind of get this picture that they're beginning to go, you know what, I know what we're supposed to bring. I know we're supposed to bring our best. But if I bring my best, I might not have anything left for me. So even though I know I'm supposed to bring the best of what I got, he says they're bringing blemished. He says you bring, you bring lame. You bring things that are defiled. You bring, you're, you're bringing things that are just, they're kind of like whatever you had left over. And you're saying that's good enough for God. Now, the, the, the thing for us is to understand what's going on there because here's the reality. Most of us don't have a herd of cattle or goats. Even if you have a couple of dogs, it doesn't seem to be quite what this is getting at. So we can't jump too quick to try and just grab this and go, well, this, what exactly does this mean for us? What we got to do is understand what is the challenge. And what you see here is that God is saying that what they bring 
in what they offer to him in worship. It is a direct reflection of, and it is all about, and it is intricately connected to his name that is meant to be, as he says here, feared among the nations. God is trying to tell them, my name is great. I'm a mighty king. My name will be feared among the nations. They were the people of Israel, and they understood that God was their God. God's trying to help them understand, I'm not just your God. I'm the God. I'm not just the God of this small group of people. I'm the God who made it all. I'm the Lord Almighty. And what you bring or don't bring, how you, it speaks of my name in this world. His call to, for us, for each one of us, that is the same then and now, whether we are, you know, people who live off the land as they did or whether we are people who work and drive. The call is to be a people who bring our best. And I want you to see why. I want you to see why. Because what you come to understand when you read through the book of Malachi, and, and people have all kinds of uh, views sometimes of a church or think, oh, churches just want your money or churches just want all your time and they just want your free life. This, I want you to see what it looks like to be the people of God who bring our best for God and why we do it. And we do it for a few reasons. Because when we bring our best, when we bring our best, the first thing it does is it honors God's name. The whole thing uh, that you see in Malachi chapter 1 is God is so frustrated that they are not honoring his name. When we, bring, when, we, when we don't bring our best, when we bring God our leftovers, it dishonors his name. Because it's sort of like, God, you're not that important to me. You're not that valuable to me. He gives this picture in, earlier in the chapter of how you're bringing things to me, God says. You're bringing things to me that you, you wouldn't serve if there was like a governor coming to your house. You wouldn't serve him this for dinner. You'd say he's too important. I wouldn't do that. And yet you think it's okay to bring that to me. What we bring to people, what we give to people, it honors. It's a way of showing honor. We on Friday night had this uh, a lovely couple who come and watch Levi, and they were coming to watch him so Lisa and I could go out for the night. And, uh, and, and we were, weren't going to be home long before they came, but uh, my wife Lisa, she texted him and said, you know, uh, would you guys like some pizza? We were just going to grab some pizza. Would you like some pizza? And they said, no, no, we've got some other food we're going to bring in. That's fine. And so Lisa said, well, they're not coming. Let's just get some, some Domino's. So we got Domino's pizza. It's Friday night. But then Lisa was like, we have to make sure they know that if they were going to have pizza, we wouldn't have gotten them Domino's. <laughs> you know, she's like, she's like Look, just so you know, if we knew you were coming, we want you to know, like we invited you for pizza. You didn't want it, that's fine. But we want you to know, if you were coming for pizza, we would not have brought Domino's. We would have gotten like good pizza. You know, we might have gotten posh pizza as a good one. Up by. We, we would have gotten something good. Why? Because we want you to know, we think more of you than to give you Domino's. <laughs> We value you. Domino's is good enough for our six-year-old, and it's good enough for me. But if you come to my house, I will not serve you Domino's. You know? Amen. You know? It's, uh, unless it's Tuesday, because it's five bucks, man. So, no. <laughs> but this is what it's about. God's saying, like, you were bringing me things that you wouldn't give to somebody you value. We bring God, what we give or don't give God, what we bring of the best of who we are. It speaks of how much we honor God. 
You get this picture, God's kind of like, you know, you, you just treat me in some ways like I'm not actually real. That the governor you have for dinner is more real than I am or more valuable to you than I am. You know, bringing our best is not just honors God's name. Here's the amazing thing. Bringing our best furthers God's name. You know, the, the, many of the sacrifices and offerings that, that kind of in question in the book of Malachi are about the offerings that were brought to the temple. And the temple in their day was the, the symbolic dwelling place of God. Sometimes I think we get confused. We think they think God only lived there. They understood it was big enough, but the temple represented the special dwelling of his presence, the house for his name. And, and this work was to be the symbol of God working in this world. And there were all kinds of things that, that, that the offerings and gifts went there toward it. They took care of the, the priests there, went for the work with the poor. It was about, because it was all about wanting to see God's name go further in this world. And God knew that, and, and it's like, God's like, I put my name in this place, and so if it is devalued, you know, God's like, my name is to be feared, not just here among the nations. It's to go further. God says, my name is going to go further than they ever imagined. And, and he, when he speaks to them about not bringing their best, you keep getting him coming back to this. Look, he's like saying to the people at that point, my name is going to be feared among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, my name's going to go out into this world. Ways they couldn't have imagined or couldn't have foreseen back then. They didn't even have knowledge of how big the world was. And God's like, my name's going to go further. Do you know, when we bring our best, we are a part of furthering God's name in this world. You know, I love right now, you may not know, over in our, our children's ministry, over in True North Kids right now, uh, you know, every week there, there's people who give, they bring their best to pour it into the lives of our kids and wanting them to know that there's a God who made them and loves them and they can walk with him forever. That's what they do over there. They bring their best. They have these themes every month. And this, this month, last month it was this laboratory. This month it's a circus. I, we got a photo. I'm not sure if you've uh, seen this. This is the circus. Now, if you're afraid of clowns, I am sorry and we'll put it away in a moment. But you know what I love about this picture? If it doesn't freak you out, one, I love the balloon with the mustache. I just, something about a balloon with a mustache I really love. But what I love is these are people who I can tell you they are bringing the best of who they are. They put in effort. They put in thought. They've gone, how are we going to imprint the love of God and drive the name of Jesus further in these kids' lives and further by not just kind of going, hey, if I got a little bit of time left, then sure, maybe I could do somebody a favor and I'll help watch the kids. They're going, how do we bring the best of who we are? We have got such an incredible, uh, so many people, and this happens all across our church. You're probably doing this, so many of you in different areas. But when we bring our best, it takes the name of God further. You know, last week somebody came to our church and brought their kids because they said their Facebook profile was so uh, full of pictures of the circus, and they said, uh, we just got to come see what it is. Them bringing their best took the name of Jesus further in this world. It's an incredible thing. When we bring our best, it takes the name of Jesus further. And not only that, but, you know, bring our best. It's all about God's name. It's how we honor God's name. It's one of the ways we further God's name. But bringing our best is also all about trusting God's name. It's all about trusting God's name. They didn't want to bring their best. They didn't want to bring some of the best of their cattle, their first fruits, because they were in a time of where, where times were tough and, and things were lean and, and, and they felt like, but if I give you my best, what will be left for me? 
I want you to see how this plays out in chapter 3. This is kind of a, a famous passage in Malachi, and we just want to try and understand it as best we can. In chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse, uh, let's see, we're going we're gonna to come a little bit just beyond that. We're going to come to verse 6. God begins to talk about actually how one day he's going to send the Messiah. And, uh, and he says this in verse, verse, uh, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God's kind of like, I've got to, no matter how much you guys are, are messing things up, I've decided you're going to be my people, so I'm not getting rid of you. Verse 7, he says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. You've just not, you've not done what I've asked you to. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? It's like the people, they're going through the motions. They're like, what are you talking about, God? We're still rocking up to the temple. We're still bringing some things. We're still, we're still doing what you asked us. And he's, how are we even to return? And God says, will you, a mere mortal, rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9. He says, so you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. He says, that's why... Uh, for you, this is why things are so lean in this moment for those people. I think one of the great challenges in Malachi is sometimes reading this, we try to jump too quickly from what was happening then and there to what's happening here and now. So we want to understand this, what's going on. Verse 10, he says, so do this. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room to store it. We're going to finish. Uh, and he says, and I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, the vines in your fields. They won't drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. And we'll stop there. Do you know... There's all kinds of things, I think, at times, perhaps if you've been around church world for a while, that we've tried to make these verses mean or not mean. But can I tell you what is so clear in these verses? Is that bringing our best is all about trusting God's name. It's do we trust him? He says, bring the whole tithe. You know, the, the, this was their, their then grain uh, offerings. They were to bring a tenth of all the grain. And, and, and the word tithe, if you know, it just means a tenth. Sometimes people use this verse to say everyone should give 10% of their income. The reality is the tithe as well. There were kind of three different kinds of tithes that they were to bring in. Most scholars, when you actually read through it all, uh, the people were actually intended to bring close to 30% of, of all they had for different reasons. The, the point of this is not to kind of get hung up on, on this number or that or just say we better do The whole point of this is God says, you're not trusting my name. We as people sometimes, and with the rhetorical kind of questioning, you see God and what the people are saying. You get this picture that the people are probably like, look, God, if you will pour out some rain and the crops will grow, then we'll have more. And then we can give to you. But God says, trust me. Test me in this. Right now, while you only have a little, will you bring the best of what you have? God always asks us to bring the best of what we have, not the best of what we don't have. And he doesn't tell us we just got to bring the best. He just says you got to bring the best of what you have. And he says, would you bring the whole tithe? And this is like his way of just saying, you know, you, you feel like you, you, you're wondering, God, if we brought a whole tenth of our grain, will there be enough left for us? God says, just test me in this. Would you just trust me with it? Verse 11. 
the principle all throughout the scriptures, we always, we, do, we, do we get to, to, to receive first or trust first? And God says it's always trust first. And then you get to receive. He says, trust me. You know, there's not much in the land, but he says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates. And it's a very literally, he's saying, I will make it rain. I will provide for you. I'll pour out blessing. I want to challenge these verses sometimes. Well, if you just do this, then your whole life will be materially prosperous. There's a real distinct picture here. No, there will be rain. There will be provision in your life. And there will be blessing in your life. But whenever we reduce blessing to material provision, we have missed the whole point of that blessing. Blessing comes in way more forms than having a full storehouse. Blessing is about a life that just has God's hand of blessing. You can, be, you can have a very lean storehouse, but be walking with a life of blessing. And that comes not when we say, God, if I just had enough, then I could trust you. God says, test me. Would you trust me? Even when you feel like you've only got a little, would you put me first? See, our, our lives will always be uh, fundamentally about whose name comes first. Whose name comes first? And most of our lives, and I mean it's not just like, I just mean as people, as human beings. Most of our lives, if we're honest, if we look at it, it's about building our name. All that we receive, we, we, we buy houses, we, we have to provide for our families, uh, we, we want to, you know, have certain possessions or, or go on certain holidays. None of these are bad things, but if we're reality, most of our lives are about building our name. I'm going to have a super. I'm going to provide for my kids. I'm going to build a legacy, and it's, it's about our name. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, when I want to get serious sometimes with my six-year-old, I'll say to him, and I'm trying to, you know, tell him, you know, kind of how we do things. I'll say to him, you know, Gretzingers don't do that. Sometimes they'll, like, use a word or say this or do that and say, yeah, but they didn't. I say, that might be okay for them, but we're Gretzinger. We don't do that because you're part of a family. You know, you represent who we are as a family. And, 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 you know, even this week it was funny. I don't even know why, but we were drawing, and we were doing these drawings, and he loves to draw and make things, and he was drawing something, and he made a little symbol for it. He said, Dad, on yours, make up a symbol for our name. I'm like, what do you mean for our name? He's like, and I literally, I hadn't been talking about Malachi like I promised, but he was, he was like, you know, write a symbol for our name. So I, I came up with this actually sweet logo for Gretzinger. It's pretty cool, and um, I can't show you it today. I know that your emotional triggers would just be like, wow, you see that, and be like, that's amazing. That's so cool. I feel so good when I see that. And, um, but here's the thing. We, we, most of our lives, and this, this is not a bad thing. God's called us to be people who, who represent him. As well. But this, what this book, what God was saying to his people was, will you put my name first? Will you put my name first? Will you bring the best of what you've got for me? Because when we as his people, when we as his people, who will represent him in this world, who he, for whatever reason, we can't change who he is. We can't add to it, subtract from it. We can't profane God himself, but we have a distinct effect on his name in this world. And God says, when you become people who bring your best for my name, then my name will be great among the nations. This is what I've called you for. This is what I've invited you to be part of. I called you to be my people, my treasured possession in this world, so that my name will go out from the rising to the setting of the sun. 
Will you honor my name? Will you further my name? Will you trust my name? It's the call to bring our best. Now, I know that the question we wrestle with in our day is it's not as simple sometimes to say, what does our best look like? We don't have a, a hundred cattle we can line up and go, that one's the best. I'm given that. But what I do believe is this, it is as we prepare to launch and as we remember that this is not fundamentally about just, hey, starting this thing and starting that thing or the next thing. This is about being the people of God in this world. What I believe is that as we, as we step into this as a people who desire nothing more than to put God's name first in our lives, if we will bring our best and we will throw our logs on the pile and we will bring our fuel and we won't just bring the leftovers and here's what I kind of had left at the end of the day and here's what I had left at the end of the week and here's what I had left at the end of the budget, but if we will be a people who will bring our best in this season, God will delight to launch something that brings incredible glory and honor to his name in our midst. I want to give you a little framework to think about this. One of the things that we'll be passing these out in just a little bit, a little bit later towards the end of our service, but we're just going to give every person, and whether you're new here or been here for years and years, uh, uh, just a little card to fill out to respond to what we're doing in this season. And it's an invitation to, uh, as we've been talking about, say, I'm going to be someone who's going to bring the best of my time and my talents and my treasure in this season. And there's not going to be a, a lot of detail with that, but this is a chance to encourage you to, would you prayerfully think about this week, uh, about where you are going to invest the best of your time and your talents and treasure? What campus are you going to be uh, a little stone that is built into that house where God makes a dwelling for his name? We want every person not to just think, yeah, well, this one's kind of closest to my house. That may be the one you got, but we want every person to say, no, this is where I'm going to invest the best of who I am. It's where God's calling me to. And so it's going to say on there, you know, which campus do you want to invest the best of your time and your talents in? And then the second question would be, would you be a person who is going to invest the best of your treasure, the financial resources God has given you in this world? And here's how I'd encourage you to think about this. I think sometimes we want to look and we go, well, Malachi, and it's tithe, and it means a tenth. And it's possible to do one of two things. And this is what I most commonly see happen. And some people go, that's it. I give a tenth. And so if I give a tenth, I know I'm bringing God's best. I've got it done. I've said it. Forget it. And I go on with my life. The second option is a lot of people go, well, that's in the Old Testament. And we don't follow the Old Testament. There's tons of stuff I don't do that's in the Old Testament. So actually, now I don't need to give anything. Can I tell you something? Both of those completely miss the point of what it means to be the people of God. What it means to be the people of God is to be a people who say, I'm bringing my best for God. Of all he's put in my hand, and I do this, why? Because I want to honor his name. I want to value it. If I spend X amount of dollars on, on coffee or movies every month, my goodness, how much should I be giving to honor his name? If I wouldn't, you know, say that was enough for me and my family, how, what does that say about how I value God in my life? We, we don't do this because it's, it's following this thing. We say we want to honor his name and we want to further his name. If we're the people of God, we've been charged to be the people who take his name into all this world. And so I want to give towards that mission. I want to be a part of furthering his name. And not only that, but 
I can do this freely, and I can do this with joy, and I don't do this because there's pressure on me or because I think I, I just should or, or because I wonder if I do give what's going to happen because I trust in God's name. That's what bringing our best is all about. And I want to encourage you to consider thinking about it this way instead. Every one of us in this room, I, you know what I do believe? I do believe this, and I have for my entire life and the first time I got a paycheck. I think the idea of a tithe and 10% is a great conversation starter. It's not a finisher. It's a conversation starter. Because we don't just do that because they did that back then, but we do say this. We say, well, if, if God's people in that day, if God, you know, and this is the reality. Again, we kind of kid ourselves with terms. They actually gave more like 30% of everything. If we who are the people of God now with the fullest revelation of who he is and the fullest revelation expression of who he is in Jesus, what should our response then be? Because while we may not follow the sacrificial laws, because Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, and we don't follow ceremonial laws because Jesus is the one who makes us clean, we've never kind of graduated from trusting God. We never graduate from wanting to honor his name. We never value from wanting to further his name. And why I think that's a good conversation starter is because here's the reality. There will be some of you in this room. There will be many. You may be someone who just started following Jesus, 10% is a great conversation starter, but the reality is, if you tried to do that in your life, it would be almost financially irresponsible right now. And what I'd encourage you to think about, if you've never given before, and that just looks like a mountain that you think, how in the world could I ever do that? You don't need to be put off by that. You need to become a person who starts to say, you know what, I want my life to begin to reflect the idea that God is first in my life. And the starting point I would suggest to you if you've never been someone's given, is not to try and start and say, I've got to do it, but to go become what we, I would call an intentional giver. For the first time in your life, to maybe become an intentional giver, and that simply just means you sit down and say, you know what, I'm not just going to give the leftovers of whatever I had, and I happened to have, uh, you know, a little bit in my wallet that day, and, uh, and Phil gave a great talk, and so I just thought I'd put that in. No, I'm going to be intentional and just say, you know what, whatever the amount is, pray about it, think about it, and say, I'm going to be intentional about giving and putting God first in my life. You know, maybe I'm going to set it up electronically or I'm going to make sure I withdraw it or however I'm going to do it. But I'm going to actually make a plan. That for others, you know, it could be that you've done that for a while. Some of you may sit in that, uh, you know, sort of stage, if you will, of giving and, and you've given intentionally and maybe you've every week uh, for a long time given $100 a week. And you never really thought about what that meant or not. Maybe you just thought $100 seems like a lot. Uh, do you know what? $100, is it a lot or is it a little? You know what? It's kind of hard to tell. If you make a million dollars a year, that might not be a lot. If you're on a smaller wage, it might be a whole lot. The, the great thing about giving biblically is it's proportional. And I'd encourage you, if you've never thought about it before, to become a proportional giver. And the principle of the giving of the best is about saying what proportion. It's not what you don't have. It's what you do have. It's the beautiful thing about proportional giving. It's not do you have the best goat. It's just what was your best goat. What is the proportion? And, and I'd encourage you, and this, you can't just kind of do this right now. You can't just, this takes time to go, actually, how much has God put in my hand? How much has God resourced me with? And based on that, what proportion do I want to give back to him that is going to represent for me bringing of my best? I think, it, you know what, if you look and you go, right now, I've been... I looked and I actually worked it out and I was only given 1% of everything God gave me. I was only given 3% of what God gave me. You know what? Maybe it's about taking a step forward in that and saying, you know what? This year I want to give 5%. And next year I want to give 6 I want to give a proportion. 
This is where I think the idea of a tithe is a great rule of thumb to say, you know what, am I, is my giving actually proportional? Because how do, we, how do we say to God sometimes when most of our resource, most of our time, most of our finances all goes into building our name, how do we say to him, God, you are first in my life and your name is first? It's the beauty of proportional. It helps us to wrestle with those questions. I encourage you to keep going forward in that. And, you know, and then the, the last one I encourage you to think about, because different people will all be in different spaces when we come to think about these things, is this idea of becoming, I think, a great way to think about as an extravagant giver. You know, I think sometimes, you know, uh, 10% to, to not see that even as like this, this limit. And once I get there, because here's the reality I know as well, God's put different things in our hands. And for many of us in this room, uh, you've given 10% for so long, you don't even notice that you're giving it. When you begin to live a life on 90%, it's really possible to then just like, you just don't even notice it because your whole life. And that is a beautiful thing because what it means is you said, I've put God first and I know he's always getting first. But you know what? It's not a box to be ticked. What would it look like to say, I want to continue to give extravagantly? As he has poured out on me, I want to continue to say, God, how do I take the best of what you've given me? And not just think, yeah, I, I ticked a box or I gave enough, but God, I'm bringing you my best. And that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to say, God, what matters most to me in my life is not building my name and my house. But God, I want you to know that I want to honor your name. I want to further your name. I want to trust your name. And so, Lord, I'm bringing the best of what I've got. And here's what I, I, I know and believe, that in this incredibly unique season, as we get ready to launch something, believe God has invited us, called us. He wants to, and he doesn't just want to launch, hey, we got some more services. He wants to launch a movement of his people that furthers his name in this world. He is calling us to be the people of God. Not to just be a people who go through the motions, but who wrestle with him and say, God, I want to bring my best. I'm going to invite the team to come up, and we're going to spend the next little bit of time just worshiping God together. He's the Lord Almighty. He's God who made heaven and earth. We come to know him through Jesus name that's above every name. And in these next few moments, I want to encourage you, let's, the place to begin the conversation about what it looks like to bring my best is not even to start with, God, what do I have? It's to start with, God, who are you? And then we move to, who have you called me to be? And then we begin to talk about what that looks like. But I want us, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? And we're going to spend this next few minutes just in worship of him. I encourage you just to, to try and distance your mind from everything else to say, even in this moment, God, you're going to get the best of my attention. You're going to get the best of my focus. You're going to get the best of my heart. We don't just sing words on a page as well. We don't just go through motions. We say, God, we, we have gathered in this space to worship you, to honor you. I want to pray for us in this moment. Lord, Lord, we gather here as your people. 
Sometimes hard to understand why you've chosen to work the way you have in the world, to work through us, broken, flawed. And yet you call us to be your people. Once we were not a people, now we are your people. Once we'd not received mercy, now we have. And so, Lord, I ask that even in these moments that we have, as we sing of you, as we lift your name up, would you be stirring amongst us? Would you be rising up faith? Would you be rising up trust? Would you be whispering to each one of us about your call on on our lives and what it will look like to bring our best in a way that will bring you incredible honor and glory in this world? Never out of pressure or obligation, but Lord, out of genuine, authentic, true, and living connection to you, the Lord God Almighty. Let's sing.